0: So change is uh, is something that I had thought a lot about lately, Um, and uh, the the change came to the Mount household this past couple of weeks in the form of a puppy. Uh, (laughs) And uh, I I tell you, if there was, you know, it always seems that right up before I I I get up here to preach or I do something important, it seems that Satan attacks. And and I kind of felt like Satan attacked through this puppy this week. Um, And uh, it is a, it's a very cute puppy named Tinkerbell, or Bell for short. And I love to see the look on my daughter's face whenever she holds onto this puppy. Um, it is a Shih Tzu poodle mix, and it lives up to its breed, its name, and uh, is destroying the carpet, uh, which I'm also convinced that, that is my, my was my wife's way of saying that she wanted a new carpet. but 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 change, you know, through these trials... Uh, Through these things that happen in our life, you know, there's positives and there's negatives, but uh, God refines us through this fire. He he changes us through these changes that occur in our life. Um, And uh, as difficult as we may seem, you know, we think it is at that time, we can walk away and look back and say, well, God, you really taught me some patience through that puppy you know or, or you really taught me something through you know through this particular situation so um and and that's kind of why we're you know some of why we're talking about change today and uh, it kind of fits in with uh, I mean, the last couple of weeks so I'm considering this the third part in the two part series of uh, all that matters um which the first part was uh the uh, week one was Christ in me if if you haven't been here week one was Christ in me um and it was about grace and the law and the truth of the gospel, sanctification and being justified in Christ. And Galatians 2.20 was the, the linchpin for, for that message, which was, uh, um, I've been crucified with Christ it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Um, week two uh, was a lot about identity and, and who you are in Christ. Uh, and, and identity is something that is, is extremely important for our growth, for our sanctification, for, for the process of, of um, you know, being a Christian, I guess, if you will, of, of knowing who we are and where I, our identity rests, which is created in the image of God. Um, so, so it was identity and then the three core attitudes for genuine obedience, as Pastor Matt put it, that flows from a God-saturated life. Uh, to love, fear, and delight in the Lord and our identity, shapes, motivates, moves, and defines and drives our actions. Um, so so today, kind of carrying that on and taking that through and talking about being empowered, which every time I use that word empowered, I feel like I should be in a white suit and tie and slapping somebody in the forehead because uh, it's just not a word that you really use that often. Um, this is just very a charismatic word. Uh, that uh, you know like I said we just we just don 't use so so if you sit back and think about um, think about when Jesus became real to you in in your life, um, you know it may have been at an event, it may have been at a uh, at, at church, it may have been at a concert, it may have been with a friend uh, it may have been when you threw that last pack of cigarettes away, or when you got down to the, end of the bottom of a, of, a, of a bottle. You know, in whatever process it was, if you think about that change that happened in your life, when Jesus became real to you, when the gospel became real to you, uh, and, and when you said, I will never be the same. You know, we're going to get to sing that song later today, which I absolutely love. Um, but when that change happens... When Christ comes into our lives, we are never the same ever again. And, you know, I challenge you if, you, if you sit back and you think about that time and say, wow, you know, when I accepted Christ, then I was so excited. I was so on fire for the Lord. I couldn't stop telling people. And, and people would tell me to shut up. They didn't want to hear it anymore because I was talking so much about what Jesus has done for me. And, and, and I challenge you and I ask you, is that, is that change still evident in your life today? Are you still that on fire for Jesus that, that you have to tell everyone? And, and that's, you know, Jesus has given us through, through that salvation, through, uh, through that change, He's given us the power and the authority to go and tell everyone. You know, everyone in here is equipped to do that just for the fact that you've been saved, just for the fact that, that, you, uh, that you accepted Christ, that you say, yes, I believe. You've been given power and authority to go and preach the name of Jesus. And, and some of you might say, well, gosh, you know, I'm, I, I'm not good with words, or, you know, I'm, I have a hard time confronting people, or, or, you know, my workplace is really, really difficult and I just can't do that. And, and there are other ways to do it. There are subtle ways to do it. And you don't have to come right out and slap them upside the head with a Bible. Granted, some people need that. You know, they're going to have to take a slap in the side of the head. But others, they need to be listened to, listened with. Um, you know, people in the workplace have problems and, and you know, it's our job as, as believers and, and our, it should be our desire and, and our heart to want to listen to their problems, to want to listen to uh, their issues Especially if we, if we know that they're not Christians, that they don't know, um, you know what Christ has done for them already. Um, you know, being able to sit and listen and talk is sometimes the best way to tell your story about how God has changed your life through the gospel in order to, you know, to, to win them over, essentially. So, I, you know, I've mentioned this before when I've been up here, but I, I worked in a workplace that was extremely difficult. I was the only, the only believer in the department. And uh, I got into discussions and arguments and everything all of the time, constantly. I, I was not quiet about it um, to the point at, at one point I was a little worried about the human resources department, but, um, uh, you know, but that's what Jesus wants us to do. Um, and, and so these discussions would take place in different ways, depending on the individual. So so depending on, on whatever your cultural context might be, maybe it is the workplace, maybe it's a sewing group, maybe it's on the bus, maybe it's uh, you know in the classroom, whatever it might be, uh, really getting to know those people that you are wanting to witness to is, is going to be key, and really understanding who they are. Um, and different people are going to take it in different ways. So uh, but at some point, they all need Jesus. We would be failing in our duties, I think, if we, if we just walked away from the loss. If we walked away from, from somebody that we knew who needed Christ, but we said, gosh, that's going to be hard work. I don't know if I can do that. You know, if we, if we saw the, the, uh, the, the scary man wearing uh, pentagrams and, and long hair and long fingernails and wore black and cursed the name of Jesus, if we stayed away from him, he's never going to know salvation. You know, that soul right there is going to, is is when he dies, he, that soul is going to go to hell. And, and when we look at our own lives and say, I have been changed by the power of the gospel. I have been, my entire life is completely different. My desires, uh, my love, my fear for God, everything is totally different because of the power of the gospel. I, I want to share that. You know, I want to tell other people about it. And, uh, you know, that's kind of when we talk about being missional theologians, um, leaving the theologian part out, that's really being missional. I mean, you have to know what you're preaching and, and say the right thing and, and uh, um, you know, otherwise you become a cult. But uh, it, the missional aspect of it is getting to know other people and listening with them. Not, not just listening at them, listening to them, but listening with them. Hearing what they have to say, hearing their stories, whether it's a neighbor who's who's having a problem with, uh, uh, you know, their, their marriage, their relationship, and, and just listening to them and saying, you know, gosh, man, I hear you. I was there at one point myself, and this is what changed my life. You know, somebody who has an addiction of some sort, and, and whether you have or have not had that experience, those stories uh, that you have, your life experience that, that God has given you is the story that God has given you, that you can tell others, you know, in the witnessing process, to witness to them. So you come across somebody who has an addiction of some sort, if you have or if you haven't, um, you can relate in some way because it's, it's all about identity and it's all about idolatry. It's how people see themselves and how you see yourselves in your story and how, how you can relay it to others um, to, to tell them about, about Christ. And like I said, you've been given that power and you've been given that authority to, uh, to do that. <clears throat> so uh, so when we are changed uh, by God's grace, when you, you accepted that gospel, that, that point that I was asking you about earlier, you receive that power and that authority so that you can share it to others so that they might be reconciled back to the Father. Uh, John Piper is a, is a great preacher and author that uh, he wrote, uh, wrote something that says, Conversion is the creation of new desires, not just new duties. New delights, not just new deeds. New treasures, not just new tasks. So we don't change so we can prove ourselves to God. And we talked a lot about that in, the, uh, um, you know, in, in week one and week two. Uh, mainly a lot of it in week one. Um, but uh, God gives us a new identity, and this new identity is the motive and the basis for a change. So with this new idea, identity, with this change, uh, how can we not share it with others? Um, and, uh, you know, I, I remember whenever I first came to know Christ, I uh, this is in the way, uh, it, it was something that was very exciting to me. And, um, you know, I love to share it. I love to talk to people about it. And then there was a time in my life where it just kind of petered out and I was really stale. And uh, I did my duty, went to church on Sundays and, you know, maybe went to a Bible study on Wednesday nights and didn't read my Bible, didn't pray, didn't share it with others. If you ask somebody in the workplace, hey, who is a Christian in your workplace? I would not have been picked out as one just because I didn't share it. You know, I didn't live in such a way, and, and you, you probably don't either. You don't live in such a way where people in the workplace or, or in your school or whatever are going to think poorly of you, but they're not necessarily going to know that you're a Christian. And so if you think back about that first love and that, and that time when you were so excited by it, and if you were to live that way every day, you know, imagine the impact on the world. Imagine the, the impact on the kingdom and what you as the church, as the people, as the body, would be able to do for the kingdom of Christ. <clears throat> so the, uh, the mission that uh, we're going to talk about um, here, like I said, I'll have the words up on screen because if you're going through your Bible, you're going to be flipping all over the place. So, uh, but, uh, you know, if you have a chance to write these down, these are great to go back and read over. Uh, and look through. But uh, so the power and the authority of the church's mission believers are sent out by Jesus Christ. Uh, looking at John fifteen sixteen, it says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. Um, you know, Jesus says here that he, you did not choose me, but I chose you. We had that choice to choose him, but before we even had that choice to choose him, he chose us. Um, you know, we were predestined to, to follow him, to be a, uh, uh, to be a believer. And, and when he mentions there in that passage to bear fruit, um, that's really what we're talking about here. You know, that this message for us is, is to not to sit back on it and just hold on to it to ourselves. Uh, you know, his desire for us is that we, we bear fruit, that, that we go out there and deliver his message, that we go out there and we do good deeds, that, um, that we're able to, to give that cup of cold water to somebody who needs it, that we're able to, to give the things away that we have that we don't need, that somebody else may need, to, to take care of the people, the widows and the orphans that uh, you know are not able to take care of themselves. Um, that is is bearing fruit and that your life is is, is a testimony to jesus your life is a, is a testimony to that salvation point that change point in your life um, Luke uh, 10 one through three says after this the lord appointed seventy two others so this was this was after Jesus already sent out the twelve um, and, he, and now he sends out the seventy two um, he "...appointed seventy-two others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs amidst the wolves." So, you know, God, Jesus saying that the laborers are few... Is, is you look around, look at today's society, you look at even at the Seattle area. Yeah, there are a lot of churches around, um, but there is a large population of the Pacific Northwest that is unreached, that is unsaved. They, they may have heard the name of Jesus, uh, but they don't know what it's all about. They think religion and not relationship, and uh, they are totally turned off by religion. I think all of us are are turned off by requirements and rules. Uh, so there 's a very large unreached people group right here in the Seattle area. You know like I said, in the workplace I was at in my department of twelve people, I was the only I was the only christian and and so, if you look at that in your neighborhoods, in your community groups, and uh, you know, whatever they might be, um, you know how much of a mission field is that and, and I would challenge you then if, if if the only interactions that you have during the week are with other Christians then you're never going to be able to further the name of Christ. You, you know, you're never going to utilize this this power and authority that you've been given to go out and preach the gospel. And so I would challenge you in that, in that uh, you know, go look for other places and other avenues and other community groups, other contexts um, that you fit in to be able to share Jesus. So it, it, it could be a number of ways. Um but there are a lot of different outlets out there. And like I said, it could be right there in your school or in your workplace uh, where you already are. And what better way to already understand the context and uh, where you're at is, is, is right there where you're at. So uh, moving on, believers are given authority by Jesus. <clears throat> uh, Luke 9.1 um, And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. Mark sixteen, seventeen through 18. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. Um, Luke 17 through 19. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fell, fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. Thank God, because I can't stand snakes and scorpions and bugs. So praise God that we can step on them. Uh, And over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. We are blessed. By these stories, I said earlier we are a blessed congregation for being able to raise these people up. But we are also blessed when we get the opportunity to witness to others. Um, and, and you may have a story of this on your own, uh, but you know when you have that opportunity to talk to a neighbor about their, uh, you know, about their marriage problems, or talk to a coworker about their financial problems, um, or. Uh, you know talk to uh, the parent of one of your your children's uh, your children's parents you're talking to those parents about the problems that they have with their kids you know parenting issues and and uh, we are blessed through those conversations that we have um, you know that individual is blessed as well but we are we are blessed as well so believers continue jesus christ's mission um, looking at john 2021. 20, uh, and this was uh, after after Jesus rose. Um, Jesus said to them again, "Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you." Um, and uh, John seventeen. If you uh, if you have your Bible, if you want to turn to that one, we're going to read a little bit more of that one here. Um, Uh, After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed. We're going to kind of go through all of John 17 here because there's a a lot of points to talk about. And I apologize, it's not all on the slides because, as I said, change happens even in the middle of the night, last night. Um, So starting in in verse 1 of chapter 17, when Jesus is praying, Father, this time, the time has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those who have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do, and now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I I have revealed you to those whom... You gave me out of the world, they were yours, and gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you, for I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them, I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine." And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you, have, you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one while I was with them. I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that Scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy with them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world anymore, that I am of the world, than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth, your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For, that, for them, I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. You know here Jesus is praying for you. You know this is what he wants for your life and he's 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 you know saying here, you know, Father give them all power and authority as I have given them power and authority as you have given me all power and authority. They all have the power and authority and the blessing to go out and to continue my mission. So he continues on and says, "My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through this message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be at us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you and me, may they be brought to complete unity." to let the world know that you sent me and you have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. So, so through this, we see that the, the Father gave the Son authority, people, um, a work to accomplish words, His name, glory. Um, and, and the Son gives us, gives the believers, uh, eternal life, the Father's word, uh, glory, manifestation of the Father's name. And the, the Son is asking the Father... Uh, to glorify him, to keep believers in, uh, in the Father's name and keep them from the evil one, keep us from the evil one, sanctify them in truth and uh, and make believers uh, unified, make, them, make us one. And uh, we also see in here that Jesus fathers are sent in, not of, hated and unified with each other. So, so being, being a sent people, in the world but not of the world it's uh, it's it's that it's that catalyst you know in the in the, the world of science the catalyst is that uh, that that material that changes the things around it I'm I'm not a scientific or a mathematical guy really but um, the, the catalyst is that thing that changes everything around it but it itself does not change you know and, and that's a pretty powerful message and that's it's a, a tough call for us but that's What we are called to be is to be that catalyst in the world, um, that we are to go out to to change others' lives, um, to be, uh, you know, to be change in others' lives, but but to not be affected by the negative things that occur in the world. Uh, You know, there's there's so much that happens out there that we could easily and that everybody does. We fall into that trap of becoming more and more like the world. And, And the more often that that happens, the further we get from from Christ. Um, so, you know, going back to that power and authority, knowing that, that Jesus has endowed us with that power and authority and has, has saved us and is sanctifying us through the work on the cross, that, that you know, we don't have to be of this world. So that a, is, a, is a very powerful message. So believers are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Looking at uh, Acts um, chapter 1 verse 8 but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth Luke 24:49 and behold I am sending the promise of my father upon you but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high John 20: 20, 22 and when he when he had said this he breathed on them and said to them receive the Holy Spirit. Acts 4.31 And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. Hebrews 2.4 While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. So being empowered by by the Holy Spirit is, is another one of those very powerful thoughts on the Holy Spirit and we talked about this in, here in, on Sunday mornings before that um, and if I remember right I think pastor Scott uh, taught on, a, uh, on the Holy Spirit at one time it, it, it's the Holy Spirit is so often forgotten you know that God the Father and God the Son and there's the Holy Spirit in there somewhere you know but the Holy Spirit is, is I mean the word says that the Holy Spirit is in us that lives within us all of the time. And and we, we can kind of tap that Holy Spirit. Uh, we, we, can, we can tap Him to uh, give us words whenever we don't have them in those certain situations whenever you're trying to relay the gospel to others. Um, so know that, that that is always there, that, that God is always there in the form of His Holy Spirit indwelling within you. Um, so the task of the people on mission Uh, and and that's all of us there are five points of uh, making disciples preaching and healing proclaiming the gospel bearing witness to Jesus and bringing honor to God so five things making disciples preaching and healing proclaiming the gospel bearing witness to Jesus and bringing honor to God I did get up there uh So Matthew 28, uh, 19 through 20, is uh, the the, the Great Commission, known as the Great Commission. Uh, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always uh, to the end of the age. Um, Now, one thing about the Great Commission is we can't forsake it for the greatest commandment and, and and vice versa. So, flipping back to Matthew 22. Um, Matthew 22, verse uh, 37. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So, we can't forget about you know, the greatest commandments is, is loving God and loving people um, and, and just say, I'm holding on to the Great Commission of going and making disciples. Because you have to love people in order to make disciples. Uh, it, you know, it's, it's just not going out and standing somewhere and, and, and picking up a Bible and starting to talk. It, it doesn't work. You can't do that. Uh, it would be easy. I wish you could do that. And I wish people would just say, ah, I need to accept Jesus. And they'd fall on their knees and accept Jesus. But what it takes is work. And what it takes is for us to love people. You know, I mean, it takes uh that investment into people's lives, into your into your neighbors' lives, uh into your coworkers' lives. Um you have to spend the time and get to know them um in, in order to 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 make a disciple out of them. And sometimes it, it is extremely hard work, it takes a very long time, and sometimes you will never even see it come to fruition, which is the hard part. Is you could say, I worked on this person for eight years. You know. I, I tried to get this person to listen to me. I tried as hard as I could. I prayed for this person constantly. I, I gave them tracks. I gave them a Bible. I prayed for them whenever I could. I, I talked to them about Jesus whenever I could. And eight years into it, into that investment, and I and they still have not accepted Christ. So in the world of financial investments, that's a negative return, right? But you know, it's not our job to convert somebody. It's our job to tell a story, and it's the Holy Spirit's job to convert that person, to reconcile that person back to the Father. That, that's not our job. So it, it's a tough work. But that's what we are charged with, is is going and making disciples. And this is right where you're sitting. It's across the other side of the world. It's It's the entire nations. It's everywhere. So Acts 2, 41 through 42 says, uh, just continuing on in the the making disciples. Uh, So those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. I think only Jesus can do that. We can't do that. But imagine what it would be like in the city of Duval if 3,000 people were added to the church in one day. I mean, praise God for that. It would be absolutely huge. And everybody in the town of Duval would be at church. Um, that would be pretty awesome. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and then prayers. Acts 14 and 15. Uh, men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of the nature like you and we bring you good news that you should, you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is within them. Uh, Romans 10, 14 through 15. How then... Will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Um, yeah, let me tell you something. You, you don't have to be eloquent with words um, to, to preach the name of Jesus. You know, you don't, you don't have to be as, you know, Pastor Matt gets up here as an extremely, he was a fantastic speaker. Um, and, and not everybody can do that. I get up here and feel like I stumble all over my words. You know, but in a one-on-one situation, I can be very eloquent. Other people can't, you know. And, and it doesn't, you don't have to be eloquent. You just have to have a story and have to be able to listen. And you have to be able to ask God for, for, for you know, for his words in that particular situation. Um, because it's only through him that these things can happen. Uh, 1 John 1, 2-3 says, The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testified to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life, which is with the Father, and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Um, so preaching and uh, healing, um, looking at Luke 9.2, uh says, And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And that was when Jesus sent out the twelve. Um, you know, he sent them out to, uh, to proclaim, the God, proclaim and heal. Mark 16-20, through 20, And they went out and preached everywhere, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. And back to Luke 9, 6, and they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. So, in proclaiming the gospel, looking at Acts 20, 24, uh, but I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Um, and and this, is, this is Paul saying, this is Paul was. He, you know, on numerous occasions, he said that he had wished that he could struggle just as as Jesus did, that he could, uh, you know, that he would feel the same thing that, that Jesus felt. You know, how how many of us out there today could say that same thing? You know, uh, you know, how many of us could could pray to God and say, "I want to feel the same thing that Jesus felt." We couldn't do it because it was so hard that that nobody but Jesus could willingly submit themselves. To what he went through, um, and yet you know, Paul says that here that that he desires that um, Romans one nine for God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of His Son that without ceasing I uh, I mention you in Romans fifteen twenty and thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel not where Christ has already been named lest I build on someone else's foundation. So so Paul's aim was to, was to preach the gospel in areas where. Where no churches existed, um, his calling was not to plant churches where they already existed, and and you know we can look at that today. You know back then it was the church, and we can look at it today and say it's the Unitarian Universalists, it's the Presbyterians, it's the you know Baptists, it's this, it's this, it's this, it's this, and and I think we can look at it today and say where is there a gospel centric church centered in a community. Uh, you know you look at a community um, such as uh, Capitol Hill, for instance i have a a good friend of mine that um, you know really feels called to that neighborhood. He and his wife are, are considering moving into that neighborhood uh, to witness to those people the people that live there that live that alternative lifestyle um, and because what he sees there is no gospel central uh, you know, centric church located in that area that is able to reach out into, the, uh, into those, those lives of people and, and witness to them. And he feels a very special calling to be able to do that. And, and so, you know, my first reaction when we first started talking about it was, well, gosh, there's plenty of churches around there. And he said, well, let's, let's pull it out and look at them. And let's see how many of them are true to the gospel and how many of them are not. And there are more that are not true to the gospel than there are that are true to the gospel. And so his desire is to go there and plant a church uh, live in the community get to know the people start proclaiming the name of Christ proclaiming the gospel witnessing the truth you know giving the truth to people and hopefully winning people over to uh, to Christ and not saying that that's for all of us to do is to go and plant a church but preaching and proclaiming and, and, and making disciples is so uh, moving on to see acts 840. But Philip found himself at, uh, at Azotus. As he, was, as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Uh, this was a coastal region on the Mediterranean from Judea to Syria, a long coastal region. And, and, and Philip went through all of the towns on the coast. I mean, being very heavy into fishing, there were a lot of people. And he just spent his time moving from town to town, village to village, person to person, boat to boat, all throughout the coast telling people about Jesus. Um, it's uh, it's it's pretty amazing that that, is, that was his entire life. That's all that he did. Um, so Acts 5.30, looking at bearing witness to Jesus Christ. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom he killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and Savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so... Is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey Him. Um, more bearing of witness to Jesus, Luke twenty four forty eight. You are witnesses to these things, John fifteen sixteen through twenty seven. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, He will bear witness about Me, and He will also bear witness because you have been with Me from the beginning. Acts four twenty. For He cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. Um, and, uh, you know, doing all of this brings honor to God because that's really what we're all about. It's, um, you know, bringing honor and glory to, uh, to the Lord. Uh, so Ephesians 3.10, uh, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might, know, might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized uh, in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Uh, John fifteen eight by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples and First Peter two uh, twelve keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation so so all of these things you know making disciples bringing honor and glory to God preaching and proclaiming um, you know, we shouldn't see this as as a duty. We, we shouldn't see this as a I have to. You know, as Pastor Matt mentioned uh, last week, he said we've we got to move to the from the I have to to the I want to. You know, we've we got to move from the I have to to the I want to to the I get to. You know, I get to go to church on Sunday morning. I, I get to go to Bible study on Wednesday nights. I, I get to go to work and tell people about Jesus. I, I, I get to do this and I get to do that. Um, because, you know, that's what Jesus wants for our life so um I, I'm going to kind of close with uh you know reading uh, Ephesians. This is another one that spoke to me, and again it's not up on not up on the screen because it's you know like I said, when um, you know putting this kind of thing together and in, in, in Jesus you know God will change things in, in the middle of it uh, through the trials of a puppy or whatever else it might be um, at 3 a.m. when it's parking. So looking at at Ephesians 2, um, made alive in Christ. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the Spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who was rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and scattered us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from our yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Down to verse 22, And in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. So, I kind of close with this and, and, and leave you with this, that um, you know, it's our treasure, this gift that we've been given. And when we make Jesus our greatest treasure, then we want to be generous with that treasure. When when we hold on to that most precious thing of salvation, that most, uh, uh, most amazing thing that could ever be done for us, how can we not tell others about it? You know, so that's, You've been given the power and the authority to do that. And that's my, my charge, my challenge to you is, is to go out and tell somebody today. And we, we go on through this Seek 2013, Seek 13 campaign. And um, as we start to dive in and, and really truly seek um, more of what God's will is for our lives, um, be generous with, the, with that treasure. You know, hold on tight to it, but at the same time, give it away. Um, and it's an amazing thing. And your, your life will be blessed and others' lives will be blessed and the kingdom will be added to. So let's uh, go ahead and pray. Jesus, I thank You for this morning. I thank You for being our greatest treasure. And I pray for, I pray for everyone in the congregation that um, that, that is as their calling on their life is that um, they make You their most generous treasure. And that they give you away. Um, this, this gift of salvation is, is it's just amazing to me, Lord. I, I think about my personally my own life, where I came from. And, and I would have been dead today if it were not for you. Um, and I thank you for this message that, uh, that I'm able to give. Thank you, Lord. We love you. It's in your name. Amen.